2: Today on the Zabecast, back home and settled in. And a fast-moving Monday in the NFL. Josh Gordon to the Patriots. skin signed for Shawd Perryman. Two kickers get the boot. And I got to weigh in on Vontae Davis. All that plus Andy Pollan and the punter who just won't shut up. If you've got 45 minutes to kill, then buckle up and let's go. <laughs> Here we go. Tuesday, September 18, 2018. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for downloading. What a Monday in the NFL. Josh Gordon has been traded. Well, color me shocked. And he has been traded to the New England Patriots. I had said before that my personal feeling was, no, no, don't. Why would you want this malcontent? He is a drug addict. Well, it's struggling. He has an addiction. He is unreliable. And even the Browns don't want him. Why would anyone want to sign this guy? Well, because he is a spectacular talent. And if you're the Patriots, you've got a history of this in which you shine up some difficult cases, be it Corey Dillon or Randy Moss, and you get a lot out of them. We'll see if this is yet another Patriot job where he falls in line with a Patriot way and do your job and they get a good counselor and a good therapist for him and he works out great for the last... 14 weeks of the season. We'll see. I tend to believe this is more of a sign of, if not desperation from the Patriots, urgency. That they are running out of time with Brady and they want to give him every chance they can. But Gordon on paper with Edelman and a healthy Gronk and other guys coming back, whoo, James White coming back, whoo. That offense ought to sing if they're all on the field and all on the same page together. We shall see. The two kickers expected to get cut were indeed cut. Uh, The Browns signed Greg Joseph, so uh, uh, old uh, Zane Gonzalez is gone. And the Vikings get Dan Bailey, who is the the crown jewel of kickers sitting out there waiting to be signed, the most accurate kicker in NFL history, coming off a, a hamstring injury or a groin or something with his leg last year. That really, he wasn't the same when he came back. But if he's fully healthy now, and the doctors say, no, he should be good to go, then the Vikings just got a hell of a kicker. Hopefully for them not too late when it comes to, yeah, well, we threw that game away that we could have won. Of course, the Packers are saying the same thing. Uh, yes, Zane Gonzalez, David Car- uh, or Daniel Carlson. It was nice knowing you, Daniel Carlson. Godspeed and good luck in whatever venture you decide to do next, because kicking in the NFL... Yeah, it's really not your thing. He, he'll he'll get picked up by somebody at some point. Fifth round draft pick, by the way, Carlson. Fifth round pick. As I joked to Charge on Twitter, I said, "You spent a fifth rounder on him? I thought that was a Craigslist ad." Oh yeah, that's a good one. I joked because, well, my team is not currently in kicker hell. Antonio Brown found a troll on the internet who was saying, "Yeah, he's Ant- Antonio Brown is lucky he's with the with the Steelers and." Uh, an, An organization that's got Big Ben. He would never put up those numbers otherwise. Antonio Brown responded, well, trade me then, and let's find out. Too many people on the internet said, whoa, oh my God, what a dumpster fire the Steelers. I don't think that was a real request for a trade. I think that was him talking shit back to some random person on the internet. Like, oh, that's what you think? Well, trade me, and then you'll find out if I'm any good with another quarterback and another team. Got some email here. You can always email me, Zabe at Yahoo.com. This one uh, from David Lindsay, or actually Doug Dixon writes, Zabe, I've always loved turning on sports. Or he the subject is get up the show, get up. Zabe, I've always loved turning on sports center Monday morning in the fall. I mean, who doesn't love watching three idiots review soccer highlights? I didn't see if they put that on Get Up this morning. But if they did, that is criminal sports television malpractice. I'm sorry. There's no room for soccer on Monday. Anywhere on the network if I'm ESPN. None whatsoever. You can put that soccer on Tuesday maybe or Wednesday, middle of the week, Monday. Oh, no, 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 no. Also, this one from David Lindsay, subject ESPN, Zabe, so much of what they do is useless fluff or pure BS. Bowl predictions after one week in college football? The win probability you've cited for NFL games? Are you kidding me? Signed, David Lindsay. Well, I don't know where they get the win probability from. I'm sure they get it from some nerd site, and I'm sure it's loosely, kind of roughly accurate. In terms of, well, historically, teams that are leading by 10 with five minutes to go and the football, they win 96.2% of those games. Historically, we know that from the database of NFL games. That's probably where they get win percentage, but it doesn't account for a lot of other factors. It's just a here's what has happened in the past kind of a thing. As far as the talking soccer, I, again, I'd have to see that. Here's what I do know. Now they had Big Tom Rinaldi piece interview with Urban Meyer, and Rinaldi, of course, gave some pretty tough, hard-hitting questions about you know the situation there and whether Urban Meyer was insensitive to the to the domestic abuse going on in the uh, Zach Smith household. Why on a Monday do you? I mean, I guess it's college football weekend's over. Urban Meyer is coming back this week. Can't you wait until Tuesday or Wednesday, I guess? I don't know. And the other thing that I don't understand is, why does Urban Meyer keep doing interviews? He doesn't have to sit down with ESPN. If they say, well, you're coming back this week, we'd like to interview you, can't Urban Meyer and Ohio State say, no. No, we're not doing interviews. Because there's nothing I can say that will make you guys in the media go, oh, I get it, he's a good guy now. And of course, I saw a lot of people taking umbrage yet again That Urban Meyer didn't say the right thing. He still doesn't get it when it comes to domestic violence. He can't win. He can't say anything that will make the tut-tutting media who thinks that he should have stopped all this from happening. There's nothing he can say to now be redeemed in their eyes. So, why try? Uh, If I was him, I would just say I'm not doing interviews. Now, maybe... Ohio State wants to make sure that they stay on the right side of the Mighty Four letter because College Game Day goes to Columbus a number of times a year, or at least once a year. There's other ways that ESPN could say, listen, if you're not going to play ball with us, if you're not going to sit down for an interview, we'll just see what our schedule is for other things we can do for the Ohio State University. Email from Earl Wood. Uh, subject judges scorecards Zabe your train of thought on Monday was interrupted by room service why does your boy lovey think that boxing using judges and their scorecards in real time is not a good idea signed Earl Wood that's a great question and now that I think about it I kind of think I know the answer but how about this better yet I'll call lovey tomorrow and I'll get them on the the podcast here, and I'll say, Lovey, what is it with boxing and judges? Why not have, okay, here's how they scored this round, here's how they scored that round, so you can see the actual score of the bout as the rounds progress, and boxers can adjust accordingly. Oh, shit, I'm three rounds down. I better start punchy-punchy. For some reason, that was perceived to be not good, or at least there's something negative about it When it comes to how it gets applied in boxing, I'll ask Lovey. He'll have a better answer. Brian McQuestion, who always signs his emails to me, even the most virulent and full of venom, sometimes at your humble host here, but he sends them signed your most humble servant, Brian McQuestion. He writes to say, let's review the NFL's rulings regarding roughing the passer. Last year, that little bitch, Vy Queens, takes two strides to Rogers, knowing he had to throw the ball, knowing he had thrown the ball, wrapped him up, and then drove him into the ground. As Santana Dotson said today to Bob and Brian, this was illegal under the McMahon rule already, not the so-called Rogers rule that emerged from that hit. The NFL fell over itself with all the idiot talking heads showing in slow motion what a great football hit that was last year by Anthony Barr. Oh, I remember that. All we had to do was suspend what we saw and listen to what we were being told. He then goes on to rant and rant about a holding call in the end zone that was not called pass interference, and on and on and on. Is it possible, writes Brian McQuestion, the ginger hammer is trying to destroy the NFL? I hate that bitch, Goodell. Signed, your most humble servant. I don't think he's trying, but he is doing a good job. Aaron Bauer says under the headline, not quite powerless. Steve, I hope you enjoyed your trip. Looking forward to hearing about it on the shows. The thing about turning off the NFL is that it seems impossible until you do it. But then it's the easiest thing once you are on the other side. It's like being in a bad relationship. You stick it out for months, maybe years, while she treats you like shit. But because you made a commitment, you keep hoping she'll turn back into the loving girl you fell for. You can't imagine living without her. And it looks like a lonely world out there if you leave. But the day you finally walk away, you feel like the freest man in the world and you wish you'd left sooner. It's like that with football. I turned off the TV last year, but yesterday I thought I'd catch the local Chiefs game on the radio. While working in the yard. Ah, see? Hey man, Patrick Mahomes is lighting it up. Chiefs could be really good this year. I think I might just listen to the radio. I'm not going to support this league I hate, but I'm just going to turn on the radio. After a second great defensive play was canceled by penalty, I sighed and turned it off. Mahomes sounds great and apparently it was an exciting game, but the NFL broke me. Best Aaron Bauer. B-A-U-G-H-E-R. And my friend Brian Jonesy, who came to Pinehurst with me last year, says, Abe, regarding your blackjack retirement, this might be one of the favorite things you've talked about. I have sat across at tables. I've sat at tables across this country, and I have won. But when I sit down in Vegas, weird things start happening. I've watched friends take a table down while I sit there and stand on 19 against an 8 and lose repeatedly. It's uncanny. I've not sat at a blackjack table in Vegas since 2013. I'm a straight Texas Hold'em table game or some other table game. I'll probably still lose, but it doesn't feel like I took a shampoo bottle up my two-hole without so much as some water on it. The difference is, as I see it, the dealing machines. You just lose so much faster and there is no joy anymore. Glad to hear you didn't need towels either. That's gold. Hope to hear them. Okay, sincerely, Brian Jones. Yeah, I' glad you guys liked the uh, interruption by housekeeping. Why stop and do an edit? It just doesn't. It's a podcast; doesn't matter. All right, let's talk to our friend Andy Poland. He was uh, aghast, as I was, at the unbelievably sparse opening game crowd. For the Redskins 2018 campaign. There we go. All right, there you go. Andy Pullen at home after a wonderful Sunday home opener for the Redskins, where they failed to score a touchdown twenty-one to nine. What a shit show that was on Sunday, huh, bud?
1: Yeah, yeah. That uh like you say, I've quoted you many times on this. It's a kaleidoscope league, which you look like one week doesn't necessarily mean what you're going to look like the next week. Yeah, you're like, wait
2: a minute, where was the team from last week? And now we know after the Rams shut the Cardinals out, uh, last week was a bit of a mirage, probably. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. But we uh, also but don't you know, know what
2: this team's going to look like from week to week. I would say that the Redskins, Andy, will be the average of these two teams, which means they're going to yeah. be about 8-8 eight and eight when it's all said and done.
1: Well, it's you know I go into every year predicting eight and eight, and I <laughs> and
2: think, you're rarely disappointed.
1: <laughs> well, well, because this is not an organization that can produce a team that can be a Super Bowl contender. So you go in every year eight and eight, meaning if you have a bunch of injuries and things don't go right, you maybe win six or seven, and if teams fall down in front of you, like it happened in. 2015 when they won the division you know you can win it with nine maybe have a great year and win 10 but that's that's their ceiling as far as they can go
2: here's what i don't understand why does jay gruden feel the need to be brutally honest and say yeah you know we thought about passing it deep this week but the colts came out with a cover two shell and a lot of zone and i guess we should have switched to just getting the ball in the hands of our playmakers would bell belichick ever, in a million years, be that honest?
1: No, he would never give you that. And I don't know if you were watching the Comcast post-game show, or I guess they call it NBC Sports Washington. I was not. Okay, well, they carried the Jay Gruden news conference, and they were talking about why they couldn't make plays deep. And he said, well, you know, they were in a cover two. And so they came back. Now, I'm not a big fan of D'Angelo Hall personally, but I do have to say <laughs> since he's been working in the media, he does have some pretty good insight. And he comes back and he goes, whoa, whoa, hold on a second. He says, if you're in cover two, that's the easiest one to attack deep. You just go down the middle. You send your one wide receiver to the sidelines because you only got two safeties deep. The cover two is wow. two, two two safeties, and then the middle should be open because the safety's got to pick up one of the receivers going wide. And, you know, very simple, Trevor Maddich agreed with him. And I thought, you know, here's a guy who actually played for John or Jay Gruden and was a part of this organization for a long time, and he's saying, whoa, coach, come on, don't try and slow us with that garbage.
2: So maybe he was needlessly honest and full of shit at the same time, which would be a double whammy right there. Yeah, see, yeah, I don't, I, think, I don't get that. I don't get the benefit. How does this help him? In order to be, I don't dishonest?
1: know. I, I just I don't wish, know, but yeah. I know that John Thompson used to say, if you keep telling people that it's your fault, they're going to start to believe you. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Was the loss Jay Gruden's fault, though?
1: Well, this team under Jay Gruden has had a history of following up good performances with stinkers, right? Yeah. And is that coaching?
2: Well, he just doesn't seem to have an ability to impart an edge or an attitude. Or he can't get the team to vibrate at a high level, a high frequency, because he comes off as an insurance salesman. Super nice guy, easy going, loves football, knows football, no edge. no One of the guys –
1: and. You know, and look, when the three linemen came out wearing the dress shirts and the ties on Friday. Morgan, good Trent, if you're
2: like, and Tie. yes.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's good if you're like 8-0. When you're 1-0, it doesn't work too well, I don't think.
2: Yeah, well, and the offensive line didn't do shit either. Uh, as the Redskins, yeah. their running backs, I think, were 22 carries for 26 yards or something like that, or 16, excuse me, here it is right here, 16 carries, for 22 yards from the running backs. And now, Andy, Fat Rob, who I think is just average at best, but he's a Jay Gruden favorite, is out for a month with a toe injury. We are precariously thin all of a sudden at running back.
1: Well, they got Samaje Pirine, who stinks. I don't know if you read read the story over the weekend, but that they were pretty much ready to go with him, and they had just brought Adrian Peterson as sort of a, a look. Remember when Chris Cooley got a look from the Giants a yeah. couple years ago when he's trying to make his comeback. That's apparently what Peterson was supposed to be, and according to the story that was in the Post, he so wowed them with his workout, they said, oh, we got to sign this guy. Yeah. And for one week, it was Camelot, but now it looks like the carriage has turned back into a pumpkin.
2: Assuming that, assuming that Peterson at some point gets hurt, and mm-hmm. you're down to Pirine and who? On the depth chart. I'm looking at it well, right now. They have to call somebody up at this point. Well, P. Ryan and Thompson—they don't want to give Thompson more than ten or twelve actual carry carries. They want to throw it to him, whenever possible. Right. But they're going to have to pick up a running back, basically.
1: Well, I mean, Capri Bibbs is by the phone, or yeah. you know, they've got guys. They got guys in the practice squad. They'll, they'll find somebody. But the excitement over Peterson. Uh, was absurd, and I think Peterson even said at one point he was looking to break Emmett Smith's record. Yes! He needs like another 6,000 yards
2: to do that. 5,000 yards, and he was spouting off about that. See, that's where I think with a Belichick-type coach, players like Peterson don't feel emboldened to talk a bunch of shit like that after one damn win. Button oh, up, yeah. focus, and, and this week after the win against Arizona should have been a very uncomfortable week. It should have been a week in which the coach was pissed off about something and was getting his team ready to come out and kick the Colts' ass. Instead, it's like, all right, we're 1-0, that's great, and they got rolled.
1: Yeah, also, how did the Colts' front line turn into the steel curtain? They stunted. When did that happen?
2: Apparently they stunted, which is apparently something Jay has never worked against, has no counterpunches to stunting linemen on defense.
1: I stunting guess. linemen, you know,
2: twists we, and you know, going behind yeah,
1: know. guys. Yeah, we, we did that in high school. That's yeah. a simple concept. That's, the, that's that's what I'm saying. He, he wasn't ready for stunting uh, linemen. I'm not.
2: He didn't say one right. He didn't say one ready. He just said that they did a good job up front with their motion and their stunts. That's oh, all.
1: Okay. So yeah, I think Dick Mojaleski did stunts at oh. Maryland in the early 60s. Mo
2: you know? <laughs> Mojoleski. By the way, great outing by your Terps getting destroyed by Temple after a nice, well, 2-0, nice 2-0 start, and then you're like, Pfft, crap the bed.
1: Yeah, well, it was, it was almost like they were distracting from all the other stuff that's going on with the football program. Now it's back to looking at DJ Durkin and oh, how much God. money they're going to have to pay the family and all yeah.
2: that. Yeah. All right, the bigger story from the Redskin game, though, is the crowd. And it was announced Absolutely. it was announced as almost 21,000 and change, shy of a sellout. And it's the lowest home opener in FedEx field history. And it's the lowest home opener, of course, in Dan Snyder's tenure as well. And I just want to know, what was your thoughts looking at the crowd as it looked on TV and with people tweeting pictures and, and posting pictures on social media?
1: Okay, let me, let me back up to Wednesday. Uh, Liz Clark wrote a story in the paper about this could very likely be the end of the sellout streak, though I believe they were fudging numbers for years because I, I was at games where it, it looked cr- smaller oh, we than know. even yesterday.
2: We know they've yeah. been fudging numbers, no question. Yeah,
1: So, but she said in her story that the Redskins announced that they had 3,600 tickets left for sale. This was Wednesday, and I was thinking... Well, you know, three games to go, four days to go, and the excitement over the Arizona game, you know, maybe they'll sell those tickets in time and they'll have a sellout crowd. <laughs> and then then the week goes on, and on WJFK, they had Brian Lafamina in studio. I heard
2: Lafamina and, did an hour with yeah. uh, Grant and Danny. An
1: hour! Right. An hour, and one of his lieutenants came in with the junkies in the studio. Oh, And my then uh, God. I worked Friday night at WTOP. And there was audio from Bruce Allen, who had been a guest. And Allen says, oh, I'm confident we're going to have a sellout because we had a pep rally last night at FedEx Field, and everybody's fired up for this team. Did oh you hear God, anything Alan. about a pep rally?
2: At FedEx Field on Thursday? Yeah. For what?
1: I don't know, but Bruce what Allen do they said watch? there was a- I don't know. I don't know how many people were at the pep rally. Maybe it was just in his office with a can of Coors. I don't know.
2: But he said said that, yeah. Now, listen, I saw the quotes. I think Steinberg listed the quotes. He may not have said, I think we'll have a sellout. The story from Steinberg simply says that Bruce Allen said on T.O.P., I think we'll be fine Regarding no no, no no no
1: no no I heard the actual audio oh you he did said, I'm okay confident yeah yeah okay Mark, he he I trust confident. you then. okay okay so, so then right. we okay. oh, we got that let me let me let me finish the story right. now go ahead now, now it's Sunday morning. And I'm doing the pregame show, the pre-junkies show, where show with Earl Forsey. We go uh, three hours before the junkies get started. Five-hour pre-game show, a little plug there. So uh, it's 10.30 in the morning, and Craig Hoffman, the beat reporter, is live from FedEx Field. And he's got another one of these marketing lieutenants. I mean, LaFamina must have come in with more assistance than Joe Gibbs. And
2: <laughs> this, he needs this, them this, all.
1: Yeah. And, and so this guy is talking to Hoffman. And he's openly shilling for people to come out to the game. This is two and a half hours before They're kickoff begging. to yeah. come out and buy tickets. It's it was like it was like Ted trying to pump up sales for a Mystics game. I mean, it was unbelievable. <laughs> and I was thinking, this is the freaking Redskins, and here's a guy who works for the team who's begging people to come to the home opener two and a half hours before. And he said, like, and then like he someone's
2: said, like someone's going to make a decision two and a half hours before to go. See, that shows how they're still tone deaf about how life really works as a fan. A NFL game, as you know, Andy, is an eight-hour commitment, front to back, period. Right,
1: right, right. right. And also that you got to pay 50 bucks to park. But but I'm also thinking that these are the Redskins who, for – fifty years basically thumbed their nose at us saying, Oh no no no, no tickets for you. They're all sold out. Forget it. You can't get in. Now all of a sudden they're saying, Oh, please, please come out. I know it's it's only two and a half hours before game, but come out and see our Redskins. And then And,
2: and then the game started and you saw the stands and you had to say as a Redskin fan, Holy shit, Dan Snyder has broken his toy. This toy yeah. is broken.
1: That- when when I saw the opening drive and they had a end zone shot at Andrew Luck and the end zone on the far end looked mostly empty, I said, "Oh my God!" I yeah. said. And I also think that the, the announcement or the the story that said 3,600 tickets, people were thinking, well, they'll sell those 3,600. Maybe they're just nosebleed. It, it's conceivable you could have gone up to the box office an hour before the game and bought tickets at like the 40-yard line, conceivable, which is unbelievable.
2: Conceivable it's a lock. And yeah. here's another bit of hard truth that I will deliver to anyone who is still in denial about this. Those fans, Andy, are never – coming back they're not necessarily going to root for the cowboys but they're never coming back to fedex field those fans who are now gone might come back to the new building in eight or nine years depending on where it is depending on how good the team is but i can say with confidence you tell me if you disagree those fans who have left are never coming back no matter how crisp the chicken fingers are now no matter how good the pyrotechnics are no matter how many emails that the Redskins PR people send out to their, or the ticket people send out to their former holders, they're gone. And they're never coming back. That's yeah, what I, I agree. think. That this yeah, is, no, what I, this I, is, this is a triage situation by LaFamina and the team to staunch the bleeding and to hopefully keep it from being another 20000 next year. Does yeah, that sound I would also fair say to you? this.
1: I, I would also say this as I look at my 65-inch, 4k tv that is in my bedroom now in my new house that that the experience of watching football on that is far greater than schlepping out to the stadium and paying through the nose to park and buy beer and stand in line for the bathroom so but it's always going to be that
2: way it's always going to be the way and it's been that way for a good 10 years at least 2005 was when when did you get high def
1: well, yeah, but I you got me on that pretty early. I would say this became
2: okay. Ten, years. I would
1: say it was mainstream by 2010. So we we're looking within the last ten years, yeah. maybe eight years of of uh, this being available to everybody at a at a price that's affordable for most. I mean, there was a, in the Liz Clark story about what it costs. They they some website averaged out what it would cost right. for two people to go to right. a game and you know get a beer and park and all that. It was like five hundred and some dollars. Yeah, for two people, you can buy a great TV for five hundred bucks.
2: I, I know, but it's just that the anyone who had had season tickets or went to games had felt so abused, like they were in an abusive relationship, that they finally said, "That's it, I can do better." And those people are never coming back. I I think it's it's smart that they're doing this, and and they better do it as well as they can. But it's a triage situation. They're not getting yeah. this fan base back, not in this building and not with this quarterback and coach and gm sorry I agree. it'll be after I agree. alex smith who's a nice guy but he's a stopgap it'll be after the slick vinny bruce allen the legacy kid of the glory days is gone and it'll be after jay gruden a nice guy but a all-state salesman you know is gone as well it's going to be well, a new era that's going to have to win like gangbusters in a new building for the passion to be back for redskin football
1: also, have you considered this that the Lafamina group could be one and done or two and done like McLuhan, that they may lose out in a power struggle to Bruce Allen, and, and that this, this may seem like a small thing, but the white pants, the gold pants were Bruce's baby. Hate is impossible.
2: Right. Is it yeah. possible? Are you saying, is it possible the pants are a proxy war? Between La Famina and Ziff, the new business people, and Bruce Allen, the director of what?
1: Your title, Pants, pants and Picnics. The best title I've ever heard from a general manager. But uh, uh, imagine
2: but here... imagine if Bruce has had pants stripped from his duties. Exactly. That would
1: be that, that would be a dagger right there. It would be like La Famina walked into his office. Bruce, I know you love the yellow pants, but we've done surveys throughout right. the area and right. we've determined that they're not, they're, they're a symbol of how bad this organization is now. So we're going to the white pants.
2: Do you, and, think, do you think that that combo, the red over white, do you think if it was put to a true fan vote, would it pass with a simple majority of 51% liking it? Yes or no?
1: I, I don't know because he, I, I'm a bad one to ask because I always liked the yellow pants because they reminded me of the glory days, the Redskins. Right. Yeah, when they first got good. You, so, you know what? You know what uh, that
2: uniform is to me. That uniform is the uniform of the Zorn era because that's what Zorn pants. wore. Yes, he wore yeah. he wore yeah. the red at home, which we didn't used to do under Gibbs. We were white at home with the red pants at home and on the road, except for when the Cowboys would make us wear. Those brick tops, and it's the so it's the uniform of Zorn. It's the uniform when we would go down to Dallas and lose back in the eighties, which I hated.
1: Yeah, and it's not a good.
2: It's not a good feeling.
1: Marty brought back the uh, red uniforms at home, but okay, yeah.
2: Well, then it's Marty. Well, it's not like the Marty year was any great shakes either. Even though, well,
1: it it could have been if they'd have let him stay. But the the uh, ship had already sailed by midseason, and Spurrier was on his way to being hired.
2: It's just so fascinating because. You got these two outsiders doing things totally different than exactly how things have been done here for eighteen years under Snyder. Yeah, Honesty and and trying to suck up and begging for people to come out. They are using the
1: word transparency. Well, the, this, fact, this, that,
2: this. the fact that the fact that that the team executives would go on multiple radio stations in a full on charm offensive is unthinkable from how it used yeah. to
1: be. Now, here's something LaVero brought up, and I think it's a, it's a very good point. Is it because LaFamina came from the league? Yes. Is it possible the that the other in. owners leaned on Goodell and said, look, Dan is making a mess of things down in Washington. You need to send some of your people in there to fix it. And, and so they were saying,
2: told. So you're saying LaFamina is like Mr. Wolf.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's like, right. all right, everyone, <laughs>
2: shut up and listen to me, and we'll get this yeah. handled.
1: <laughs> Take those yellow pants off and bury them. You know,
2: <laughs> as the, as Lafamina hands out UC Santa Cruz banana slugs T-shirts right. to to Samuel Jackson to, as replacement clothes after the murder, yeah,
0: yeah it's, it's, it's 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 possible,
2: possible. right? It, it, yeah, anything is possible, and yet, who have we not heard from in forever? Snyder. Danny Boy,
1: yeah, yeah.
2: Will yeah. Danny ever find his voice? to step up and to be accountable and to do interviews. Well, he has been
1: he, – he admitted at the end of the Zorn era that, you know, they had screwed up. It was a disaster. Um, Andy, that's but, the
2: end of the Zorn era. That's a long time ago. Yeah. When is I Dan mean, Snyder going to act like a normal, accountable CEO and at least do a select number of interviews every year?
1: Well, he lost his guy. He George Michael was his guy. Um be interesting if if Chick Hernandez now with his new job with the Athletic, he, if he could score a Dan Snyder interview, and I think he may have done the last lengthy one when he was still at uh, NBC Sports Washington. Um, if he can land that, that would be a real coup for him. Yeah,
2: I mean, I would like to say that winning cures all, but it doesn't really, because winning has to be winning on a sustained basis. It can't be a one-off, you know, we haven't been, we haven't been to the playoffs in back-to-back years since 91. So it's been 30 years, almost coming up on 30 years of, we're just, we're one shot Charlie's, you know, we're, we're pop-up teams every now and then. So you have to win over multiple years and you got to win big. You got to win 12 or even 13 games big. And we haven't even come close to sniffing that in forever.
1: Win, win, win like that, and you've got to go deep. You've got to get to a, an NFC championship game, which they right. haven't gotten close to. You no. know, That's
2: Well, it. I mean, we were, we were a game away in Tampa. We were a game away in Seattle. Yeah, but those, come on. Those, <laughs> I know. Those,
1: look, when, when Gibbs left after the 2007 season, when they had to win their last four games with uh, Todd, what's his name, and, uh, and, and and Gibbs retired saying, well, I really hadn't given this much thought. I thought we were going to win the Super Bowl.
2: <clears throat> really? Oh, my God. Yeah. All right. So uh, just the net-net of the stadium situation. Now, The Packers will bring a shit ton of fans uh, with them, and they'll, ex- they'll excrete from the local populace existing Packer fans. What percentage do you think of the fans will be
1: green and gold on Sunday? Oh, after this game? 40 20% I, 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 I would say I would say it might be might be 50-50 maybe shit. 50 Well look 50 Jake wow. I was at I was at the Pittsburgh Sunday night game, when they were pretty good at the beginning under Zorn, when they would started six that two. That was the
2: infamous Burgundy on Burgundy game, a game that'll live in infamy from a uniform standpoint. Go ahead.
1: Well, well, but but the Redskins, as Casey Robock, I think, was a center, admitted they had to have a Silver. silent snap count That's at something. home.
2: I know. At home. I know. You know. Steeler Nation travels. Steeler Nation exists all over the country, and it's a strong fan base. But still, it should not have been that bad. So we'll yep. see. And this and this could be Aaron Rodgers' last visit here, because the next dance is in four years, absent of matching up with them on strength of schedule. And I assume the next dance would be at their place, not here. So that's eight years. So if you're just a if you're just a casual fan, if you're like a fantasy football fan, going you know I always want to see Aaron Rodgers play in person, so I'm going to go out there. Maybe you'll get some you know Packer fans there. It's unfortunate.
1: Yeah. Well, I was going to say you you know the market much better than I do, but you've got people in Milwaukee who are actually like Redskin fans in the '80s that they want to go see the Packers at Lambeau Field and can't, and finding out that you can walk up to the window an hour before the game at FedEx and buy a ticket, they, they may make the trip in from Milwaukee and Green Bay, right?
2: Some will, although I've hosted both my DJ buddies, Bob and Brian, once and some other people from the station once. And each right. time they come away saying, boy, this is not nearly as charming as Lambeau Field and go to the home game there yeah exactly <laughs> sure it's a stadium yes there is tailgating but none of the charm of green bay have you been to a game of lambo
1: i have not i yeah, would like need, to do that before
2: that's a that's a bucket list thing in sports yeah. it's totally unique yeah. it's unbelievable and you can you can go there flying colors of even a hated rival and you have mm-hmm. no threat of being beaten up you will be Invited to have a beer and a brat, and it's like totally chill when it comes to fans.
1: That's great. Yeah.
2: yeah. All right, let's, uh, let's couple things. Oh, here's a quiz for you because we had a lot of kicker churn and burn this week. Hey, is there a worse franchise for kickers and kicker history than the Minnesota Vikings? I know the Bills and Scott Norwood. That's one kick, yeah. though. The Vikings have now had three big ones, including these two that this kid Carlson missed. He's been cut. Mm-hmm. And that would be the uh, Anderson miss that would have sent them to the Super Bowl indoors yep. at home, and then of course Blair Walsh missing a point blank chip shot that would have yeah. sent them to the NFC title game at home against Seattle. Yeah, uh,
1: I'll take it back to a game where it was just it was just heartbreaking. The Redskins on their way to eleven and zero in ninety one played the Houston Oilers at uh, at RFK and the Oilers had a kicker named Ian Halfield.
2: Ian Halfield. I remember it well.
1: <laughs> yeah, his, his father was Bobby Halfield. He used to kick for the Jets, so he had kicking bloodlines. <laughs> I'm a legacy. There was a, a, you know, I think it was Brian Mitchell, actually, who fumbled. Mitchell fumbled a kickoff late in the game, and he had basically what was an extra point to win the game, and he missed it, and it went to overtime, and the Redskins won, and he was cut the next day, and was never heard from again. I it was just pathetic. He,
2: I think he gave a press conference after he was cut and was in tears. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. it was sad. That was that was really a bad one. Do you feel um, bad for
2: Zane Gonzalez of the Browns who got cut on Monday after missing two extra points and two field goals?
1: No, if you miss like that, you, okay. you're gone. That's yeah, that's the league. How that's, do you feel about the way it goes?
2: How do you feel about kicking in general? I've I've seen some people on the web now say, I think the league needs to de-emphasize kicking because it makes no sense that 22 grown-ass men smash into each other all day long and then games are decided by little itty-bitty kickers who sometimes suck.
1: But, you know, that goes back to Luke Groza and Pat Summerall kicking it in the snow at Yankee Stadium. Kickers have always been a part of the game. I think what's interesting with the extra points is they've become a factor now. Guys miss totally. extra points. They, in yeah. fact,
2: I'm convinced, Andy, they miss extra points more often than they miss yeah. field goals that are in the 30- 30 to 35-yard range. Because it's like golf where you, you hit it up close and you're like, that should be a gimme, but I'm going to have mm-hmm. to putt it anyway. So you get nervous thinking, God, I don't want to miss this putt. It's so short. I think kickers are yipping extra points. It's just my theory. I, I can't back it up with stats, but you used to rarely see a 35 yard field goal missed. Now you see right. 33 yard extra points missed all the time.
1: That's part of it. And then the other part of this picture is overtime. The NFL has so totally screwed this up, it's ridiculous. When they first came up with overtime in 1974, it virtually eliminated ties. And, you know, so, okay, so you won the opening toss, you went down the field and kicked a field goal. Fine. The job of the other team is to stop you. Then I guess Peyton Manning lost a playoff game or something. Yeah, because he didn't touch the football,
2: and Peter King wrote a column. And the the, the muckety-mucks in the NFL's headquarters said, yeah, he's right about that. And they changed it. I thought you were in favor of the new rule in overtime, though.
1: No, I never okay. liked it, Good. and I also, and now they've made it really ridiculous by shortening overtime to 10 minutes. Yeah, but they, so use, you're forcing...
2: they use safety yeah. as a reason, which is their well, reason for everything. Of course it is, but that's you can't stupid. argue with safety. We think that's that's no. too long to play a football game. We're going to cut it short by five minutes.
1: Well, they, they go back to sudden death. Yeah. Go back to... It's this thing where both teams have to touch the ball ridiculous.
2: How about ridiculous. the fact? How about the fact that college kids play sometimes triple, quadruple, and five overtime games? Now it's granted well, it's, a, it's a shortened sort of a game, yeah. but it's still. I bet play wise, I bet it's comparable.
1: Well, it's they're also they don't have a union. <laughs> they're, well, they're, okay,
2: they're, there's that. Yeah, I think so. I think I think the argument for kicking in football is simple, and the argument is. It's a hedge. It's a soft penalty that punishes timid play. And so, therefore, when the Vikings already knew, because this long neck dummy, Carlson, had missed two field goals on the day, that they should have been more aggressive to go for a touchdown to win the game. And Probably so, so. And so that's what kicking is. Kicking is an unsatisfactory compromise, an unsatisfactory okay, I guess we'll take the three, that is meant as kind of a half punishment for you didn't get the ball in the end zone.
1: Yeah, not only that, the, the kicking percentages. If you look back, you, you know what Mark Mosley was lifetime as a kicker, his percentage?
2: Today the best kickers, I think Justin Tucker, I looked this up the other day, is like 94%, which is crazy. And I believe that our guy uh, uh, Hopkins is like 85% or he was yep. last year. I bet Mosley was no better than seventy-five
1: percent. Sixty-five.
2: Sixty-five.
1: 65. He wouldn't have a job today. He wouldn't have a job in the NFL. So the the point being, were other and, were and other so, just,
2: were there soccer style guys better? Because he was the last, of the toe punchers.
1: Uh, they were some of them were better, but not you know significantly okay. better. Uh, the 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 point being is that the field goal has become so much more makeable now that teams are are playing for it, and that's. That's something that you have to work. I mean, that's why they lengthen the extra point.
2: It's more makeable, but remember when the NFL put in the K ball for kicking only because the kickers were microwaving certain footballs and leaving them in their pool to soften them up and make them nice and round. (laughs) And, And I'm convinced, Andy, I'm convinced like these kickers' legs are so fucking strong. Like, you know, you kick a 50 yarder, kickers will boom it over the top of a 30 foot upright from 50 yards like it's no big deal. Their well, leg, yeah. their legs are strong, but every kick I see now wobbles and it juts and it, it flutters in a way that it didn't before, which tells me the K-ball is a bit of a factor.
1: Could be, but the other thing about these kickers and the way they're raised is they start going to these kicking camps when they're like 10 years old. They train to be kickers.
2: Some they're, do. They're, Not everyone, yeah. though.
1: Well, a, a lot of them, and you know, you know, Jess Atkinson's story, don't you? That he uh, he he tried to walk onto the uh, Maryland soccer team, and they caught him. And so he starts watching practice for football, and tries to kick a few, and he winds up yeah. being their kicker, all-time leading scorer. That those don't happen anymore. These these guys go to these kicking yeah. camps. They're rated.
2: Some do, some do. Well, look, but we they, still we still don't have enough decent ones to staff a mere 32 positions in the NFL.
1: Yeah, and they that, keep changing. They, they go yes. bad like fruit.
2: <laughs> they really, they <laughs> really do. And for, for bonus points here, Andy, can you name all five kickers the Redskins had in 2000 the Fortune 500 Redskins in which Norv Turner got fired with about two games left in the season?
1: Yeah, well, one of them was this kid Bentley who kicked a 50-yarder. Uh, the other one was the uh, guy we used to make fun of who did stuff with Feldman on Brett Channel Live. Brett Conway? Conway, yeah. yeah. there's two. Um, uh, gosh, one, oh, dude, one was is Eddie a, Murray in there somehow? Eddie,
2: Eddie Murray is one. Eddie Murray that year was sent out to <laughs> kick a 51-yarder at the end of regulation. They had to call timeout and went back to the sideline to talk about it. He went out and missed it short. We found out after the game the timeout was for what, Andy?
1: It was for the holder, who was also the punter, uh, to to go over to Norv He told Norv he
2: can't kick it that far, and Norv said, well, no, just go ahead and give it a try. I think you got it. Sure enough, Eddie Murray is like, I don't have that range, and it ended up landing in the end zone. There's two other kids, uh, Chris Heppner and Michael Husted.
1: Oh yeah, that's right. How about some of the guys who were in with Spurrier? Remember James Tudhill? Did
2: oh I? yeah, Tud. <laughs> the son of a preacher. Tud yeah. That's the thing about these kickers, like you find they find these kickers like sitting in a bar.
1: Like oh, it's crazy. Gibbs had one, Ola Kimrin, they wanted to bring him back, but he had visa problems. He couldn't get back in the United States. Exactly. <laughs>
2: Yeah. yeah. So the two thousand Redskins, uh Conway begat Houston, beget Heppner, beget Murray, beget Bentley. And it was yeah. a season that went right down the shitter. Uh real quick, Josh Gordon is a patriot. Will this work out for New England?
1: Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, sometimes it does for Belichick, but there are just so many problems with this guy that, you know, that just like Hainsworth, he'll he'll give it a few weeks. And then say, no, we don't want to deal with this. So, I I, I mean, he's an incredible talent, but he apparently just, you know, has too many other issues off the field that keep him from playing.
2: It will be frustrating, though, if the Patriots are able to get a guy in line, shine up a dirty penny that's had problems before, and get a lot out of him. They did it first with Corey Dillon, who was a malcontent in Cincinnati, and he was great for the Patriots. They did it with Randy Moss, famously, coming off his unfortunate stint in Oakland. And now if they do it again with Gordon, it'll be unfair. I think it might be a sign of panic, though, from Belichick and the Patriots, that maybe they're Could like, be. look, we, we we got one more year left here with Brady. We just got stomped pretty good by the Jaguars. We don't have time to get all high and mighty and churchy about a guy who might be a bit difficult.
1: Yeah, the, the other guys you mentioned were mainly attitude problems. I don't know if that's the issue with him. The well, issue is substance and yeah. you know things that – they, they keep the, There was never an issue with those guys in substance, and that's that's the problem. I mean, from what I what I understand, he he shows up on Saturday after some photo shoot, after practicing all week, says yeah. he's hurt his hamstring, yes. and and I think Mary Kay Cabot reported that he appeared to be inebriated. Well, yeah. you know, um, they just can't stay with
2: that. Uh, did the Cowboy Giant game on Sunday night give you any hope for the division that it might be in fact a? Th- four way pillow fight for nine and seven between all four teams.
1: Could be, but, but Carson Wentz is coming back this okay. week. I think the Eagles are still the best team right. uh, in the league. Oh, did you How do you feel did we talk I... about Vontae Von- Von- Davis? Not to hijack this uh this I know. podcast. We'll here.
2: talk we'll talk Vontae Davis in a second. What about uh okay. what about the Giants though?
1: Giants Eli looks bad, doesn't he?
2: I love the fact that they passed on Darnold, who looks yeah. pretty good even though he lost on Sunday, and they're riding Till the very end with Eli, who does not look very good. And even though Saquon yeah. Barkley had good stats, when are you going to win with just a running back in today's NFL?
1: Yeah, not only that, how long is he going to last? I mean, yeah, could he could he have a great career? Yes, he could. But yeah, I mean, it seemed to me that was to be the time to change the guard, but they didn't do it. And yeah, I mean, sticking with Eli, trying to think—is there's a comp like that? Um, you know, I think they probably looked at Brady and they said, hmm, "Brady, forty-one, he's still doing." well, what's Eli now, 36, 37? Yeah. And we get another three years out of him. I All right.
2: Know. All right. Lastly, Vontae Davis for the Bills retires, Ugh. quote, retires at halftime. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the most egregious case of violating man code, man law, bros in arms, football credo, how bad was that walking out on his teammates at halftime? Scale of 1 to 10. I
1: think it's a, I think it's a 10. I think it's I think it's horrible. It might be a 12. Yeah, one of the worst things I've ever heard of. Because, okay, uh, your head's not in it. You're going to retire after the game. But they only have 47 active guys and they put you on the active roster because they're going to need you for the game. God forbid they lose another couple of defensive backs. They're going to need you to play in the game. You agreed to suit up for the game. You can't change your mind at halftime and leave 46 other guys hanging like that. That's ridiculous. That guy, that's going to be his legacy. Quitter. Quitter, quitter, quitter. That's and, a terrible, terrible
2: and thing. Wh- what a fucking idiot to leave $3.5 million – sitting on the table he's going to lose most of his signing bonus of 1.5 he's out the two million dollar base salary right. this is real money that he is never going to make again in his life i'm pretty confident mm-hmm. in saying
1: you know it's vernon davis's brother right you know it.
2: uh so what are you saying
1: No, i'm just saying the, the, the vernon davis seems to be like the opposite kind of guy oh There's
2: yeah actually, no exactly yeah, exactly, yeah. and 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 the fact that Vontae Davis put out a statement within hours of this with a glory shot of him in Colts uniform, I'm like the balls on this guy. He was <laughs> yeah. he was saying I did this for my health and I felt it was the right thing and I've always had high standards. I'm like, shut the fuck up, man! You're an idiot. Yeah, let you him are cut, an idiot. Let them cut you. You get to keep all the money. And if you're sitting there for another couple weeks, and they're like, and you're like, why aren't they cutting me yet? Start acting up, and they'll cut you.
1: Well, or 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 you know, you can retire after the game. That's fine. But if don't the, retire the after team... the game. Take well, the money. Well, that's up to him. But but what I'm saying is, when you leave your teammates hanging in the middle of the game, that's terrible. See, it, you're more like,
2: you're more offended by him abandoning his teammates. I'm more offended with anyone leaving. Three point five million dollars sitting on the ground.
1: Well, that's 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 just stupidity. But the but the fact it, that it, you, it the it other f- guys well, it, are counting on you and me. you bailed on them. I mean, it's not See, war. I understand that. I know, but it is it is a game where you work hard to prepare. Everybody factors into the game plan who's active, and then you just leave your teammates, especially when you're when you're getting your butts kicked at halftime. That's that's the ultimate coward move.
2: It's bad. And I don't, has it ever happened before in your recollection?
1: The only thing I, I, I can think of, there, there are two other cases like this. They're both baseball. and They were kind of funny. Don Zimmer retired during a game. Uh, I think he was working for the Padres or somebody like that. And the other one was John Kruk, who was looking for a certain number of hits or something like that, and once he got it, retired during a game. But baseball's different. You you, you you got 162 games and you got a lot of guys that you can put in. Football, it's 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 more of a, a team thing. And you leave your teammates hanging like that, that's
2: bad. All right. Very good, Andy. Always good to talk. Skins are one and one. We don't know. Jekyll or Hyde, are they really the week one team which looked really good or the week two team that looked terrible? Packers and Aaron Rodgers come to town on what is going to be a hostile 50-50 building, no doubt. With a bunch of Packer fans, any early lean for the game on Sunday?
1: Yeah, I mean this is this is exactly the kind of game they could win, right? I mean, sure. Didn't Kirk Kirk beat them on a Sunday night and and look really good, outplayed Aaron Rodgers in yeah. the so you Did just you see- it, like you say, you you it's week to week. What you look like one week doesn't necessarily mean you know, what you're going to look like the next week. Now, there are, you know, there are some teams that you know are going to be terrible. Cleveland's going to be a bad team and so forth. But the Redskins, in that 8-8 eight eight range, you don't know what they're going to do. You don't know how they're going to show up.
2: Did you see any of Kirk on Sunday leading that comeback? Four touchdowns, 400-plus yeah. yards. Pretty he
1: looked, pretty good. He looked good, but but all these people who are saying, see, see, see. He has a better team around him. That team went to the NFC Championship. Oh, I game know. Well, that's that with that's a backup quarterback. But that yeah.
2: proves a lot of our points that that are Kirk jerks. That you know, if he had a decent team here, you'd see yeah. him in a different light. That's all.
1: Yeah. So yeah, exactly.
2: he got lucky too because of that horseshit Colin Matthews. We can talk about that problem in the NFL, which is going to require a lot more untangling at a different time. Yeah. All right, Andy. Good to talk as always, uh, and uh, we will uh, talk next week. Very good. All right, we'll end with this. Marquette King is a Denver Bronco. He used to be a Oakland Raider. He is a punter. He happens to be African American. This is sort of unique. Most of the time, 99.9%, I think Reggie Roby is the only other black punter that I can recall. The other, the only other black kicker I can recall is Donald Buike, who I believe came from Africa and ended up doing a jail stint for drug dealing. It's not often that these nerd positions, nerd kicker and punter, are occupied by bona fide athletic-looking African-American players. And in the case of Marquette King, he really is trying really hard to be like, you know, like, I'm hard, man. I'm a baller. I'm not just some bitch who punts. Look at me, man. I'm an athlete. Marquette King was very upset that John Gruden ended up cutting him uh, because of attitude or whatever it was. Didn't like Marquette King's style. Marquette King will dance after a good punt that ends up being touched down within the 10-yard line or the 5. He will get penalties sometimes for taunting or for after the whistle hits. I, I can go both ways. On it. On the one hand, I don't mind. I mean, punters are athletes, and to kick the ball like they do is not easy. But at the end of the day, you're the punter. So let's not get crazy. The latest was after the Broncos beat the Raiders by a point, and really not because of anything great that Marquette King did, he released a video titled on his social media, To My New BFF. And it was a Chucky doll with dollar bills stuffed all around it and in the doll's mouth. And it was like this really artfully done video with like a high-end DSLR camera that had a nice soft blurry background and it was steady cammed and it had a shot of Marquette King up on a parking garage somewhere just chilling. And then the, then the doll, and he kind of pats the doll on the head. I'm like, really, bro? Really? You got a new contract, a good contract with Denver. John Gruden didn't want you. You'll live. You're the fucking punter. Pipe down just a bit, okay? Stay in your lane, know your role, kick the football, make a tackle if you need to. None of these elaborate revenge videos. It's a little bit silly. All right, that'll do it for me today. Thank you for listening. Download, subscribe, comment, and like. Tell three friends. I appreciate it all. Premium Zabe can be had at zabe.com slash premium. Another monster week three of FFWF. Football five ways Friday coming at only $4.99 a month. I know you can afford it. It helps support this podcast and I appreciate it. If you're on a very tight budget, just listen Monday through Thursday and you'll get your fix of me. Now it's time that you get on out of here and we will see you next time.
0: Vanguard Marketing Corporation Distributor.